sincere question many times this past week. The question is, how are you? I've struggled to answer the question. It was incredibly caring, and the reason I've struggled is because it, from moment to moment, I'm not sure how I am. But I can tell you how I am in this moment. I'm grateful. I'm grateful that Jesus made a way for us to come home. I'm grateful for a church that paved that way with their prayer, care, and concern. I'm grateful for a CTK staff team that just kept doing ministry in the middle of a challenging time. I'm grateful for God's gift in Laurel, who walked me through decisions when there was just too much input to process. What an incredible gift and leader she is. And I am eternally grateful for a courageous group of 57 people who kept their focus on Jesus and remained both calm and faithful. They were truly amazing, and we are truly bonded together for life. I'm grateful for all of them, I'm grateful for all of you, and I'm really grateful just to be right here, right now. Thank you. <laughs> On the morning of October the 7th, 2023, the Israel team from Christ the King was in a pit, literally. We were gathered in the prison pit under the house of the high priest Caiaphas in Jerusalem. This pit is the place where Jesus was held before he was tried and condemned and crucified. We gathered in that sacred place and we read Psalm 88, which says, Lord, you are the God who saves me. Day and night I cry out to you. May my prayer come before you. Turn your ear to my cry. I'm overwhelmed with troubles. My life draws near to death. I'm counted among those who go down to the pit. I'm like one without strength. I'm set apart with the dead, like the slain who lie in the grave, whom you remember no more, who are cut off from your care. I'm confined and cannot escape. Psalm 88 concludes with these words all day long. They surround me like a flood. They've completely engulfed me. You've taken from me friend and neighbor, and darkness is my closest friend. We read those words. We prayed together and stood in the very pit where Jesus was held on his way to the cross. And then we sang together. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. And as we left Caiaphas's house, we walked past the place where Peter denied Jesus. We paused at the very steps where Jesus walked on his way to and from the trial where he would be condemned to death. And when we got to the top of the steps, the air raid sirens went off. Looking up, we saw missile trails over top of the sky in Jerusalem. We witnessed God's protection through the Iron Dome defense system that did its job and God protected us from harm. And then we walked back to the bus after a few moments and our guide, Sam, who I'll talk about in a few moments, came on the bus as we had been accustomed and he said, the Lord is my shepherd. And we all said, I shall not want. 
and it was a declaration of trust and peace. And over the next couple of days, I marveled at the calm, resolute faith that I saw in this group of people that chose to put their trust in Jesus in the middle of uncertainty. I watched as they locked in on Jesus and cared for each other in the middle of unprecedented change. I witnessed them experience supernatural peace. And we had a choice. We could sit in our hotel room and stare at our phones, or we could continue our journey walking where Jesus walked. And every single morning, I would get up, and Laurel and I would have breakfast, and we would go to the bus, and there they were, ready for another day of adventure and trusting that God would direct our steps. I am positive there were many people who thought we were nuts to go out. But honestly, we felt safe because of God's presence and the wisdom of the amazing people who were on the ground with us. And I'm going to talk about two of your family members who many of you have never met before, Sam and Muhammad, and I'm going to ask you to pray for them. Just so you know, if you're a Jesus follower, whenever you step out in faith, there are people who are going to think you are crazy. They're going to think you're crazy to put your faith, your eternity, your past, your present, and your future into the hands of an itinerant, homeless Jewish rabbi named Jesus. You know why they're going to think you're crazy? Because when you believe in Jesus, you have the audacity to believe that Jesus was God's son. He came in flesh to seek and save lost humanity, that he made a way of salvation by dying on a cross as a perfect sacrifice, and then you're going to actually have the nerve to believe he's not dead. Can I tell you something? We went to the garden tomb in Jerusalem again. It's still empty. It's still empty. Jesus defeated death in the grave, and he's the reason for our hope in the middle of all of the chaos of the world. And this may be difficult for some to understand, but I can assure you, those of you in this room who know Jesus, you know he is real. You know it is true because you have experienced his promise and its fulfillment firsthand. The Apostle Paul says this. He says, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. In that scriptural moment, Paul divides all of humanity into two groups, those who are perishing and those who are being saved. Paul explains, he says, you are an eternal spiritual being and you're either moving towards God and all that is holy or you're moving away from God and there is no in-between. Paul says those who are being saved are not being saved through a power of their own performance or their own goodness, but they're being saved through an unexpected source of power. It's right behind me. The cross of Jesus Christ, where Jesus took my sin and your sin and canceled the debt and gave us an opportunity to go free. Do you know how 57 people navigate an unprecedented moment of fear and choose to embrace faith instead? Do you know how that happens? I'll tell you. Because they'd all come to Jesus. Because they had been at the foot of his cross and put their full faith and trust in him. The Lord is our shepherd and we shall not want for anything. The message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to those who are being saved, it's the power of God. So I've got to ask a question today. What's the message of the cross? 
Well, let me start with this. The cross is a place of contradiction. Some people are deeply confused by the cross because the reality is this. The cross is a torture device. And that's confusing for some people. Why do you cling to a torture device where thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people under the Roman Empire were put to death on a cross? When you think about it, you don't see many people walking around with an ancient torture device around their neck, right? Guillotines, electric chairs, and gallows are not popular choices for jewelry, true? And yet the cross adorns the neck of countless thousands of people. And whether they know it or not, it's because the cross is not a symbol of death. It's a symbol of the victory of Jesus over death. For Jesus, death on a cross was not something that was done to him. No, death on a cross was something Jesus chose for himself. And I'm looking at the reason why he chose it. Jesus said, the reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and the authority to take it up again. The message of the cross is not that Jesus died, it's that Jesus overcame death. Jesus did not stay dead after the crucifixion. The message of the cross is not that death wins. The message of the cross is that Jesus lives today. It's the reason why we gave you crosses last week. There's still some available in the comments. It's more than just a symbol. It's more than just jewelry. It's more than than a little trinket that we want you to carry around with you. No, we we wanted you to carry it with you because, because of the questions that come along with it. What if, what if the cross was the first thing you reached for in the morning instead of your phone? How would that change your life, your day, your moments? But if you held the cross in your hand and prayed, God help me before you went into a tough meeting, What if you put it on the table between you and someone that you were struggling with and you allowed the cross of Jesus to be the filter with which you had that conversation? What if you carried it in your hand and your heart and allowed it to be the filter of your entire life? The message of the cross is that Jesus lives. Lives to what? He lives to pardon. The message of the cross is that the cross is a place of pardon. One of my favorite, most cherished places in Israel is a little beach called Tabga where Peter was restored. It's a little beach on the Sea of Galilee where Jesus invited Peter and his friends to breakfast after a really long night of fishing. In the conversation that follows, Jesus restores Peter, the same man who denied him three times. And years later, Peter talks about the pardon that Jesus gave him. Peter writes, when they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sin and live for righteousness. For by his wounds you have been healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but now you've returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Peter says there's pardon for guilt. And we're all guilty. If you think you're not guilty of sin, that's pride. You just sinned. Welcome to the club. You're in. 
The cross of Jesus says there's pardon for sin. Jesus took all of your sin on his perfect life so you could be washed as white as snow through the forgiveness that only Jesus can offer through his grace. I mean, it just, it, 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 it rattles me every time I have to think about it. Jesus didn't take just the best of me. He took the worst of me and washed it away. So I have a question for you. Have you received pardon for your sin? Have you exchanged his death for your life? Have you walked away from your wrong to embrace all that is right in Jesus? Can I tell you what happens when you do that? You're welcomed into a place of peace that defies human understanding. Because you're no longer motivated by the temporary things of this world. Instead, you're comforted that the God who holds your eternity has every single detail of your life under his control. That's calming when the world goes crazy. There's an old song. If you grew up in church, you might remember it. Pardon for sin and a peace that endureth. Pardon for sin and a peace that endureth. That peace that Jesus offers teaches us that the cross is a place of comfort. As God showed us a way home from Israel, we were covered in peace. I, I saw so many from the Israel team today. I'm like, how are you doing? They're like, God's peace. We were covered in peace. We actually got to experience Isaiah 26, verse 3. You will keep him in perfect peace whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. Trust in the Lord forever for the Lord, the Lord himself is the rock eternal and that rock does not move. God made a promise and we experienced it. Jesus said, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. You know, in the face of every life question you can ask, Jesus shows up and says, I took all of your fear with me to the cross and I defeated it once and for all so that you can experience my peace, but you're gonna have to make an exchange. I love the message of the cross. You see, at the cross, the devil, death, and the grave thought they had won. They thought that fear would rule the day for the rest of eternity because Jesus died. What they didn't anticipate is that the dying was just the beginning of the story. That Jesus was just getting started. That he was going to exchange his death for our life. Which means this, the message of the cross is that the cross is a place of victory. Colossians chapter 2 when you were dead in your sin and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive in Christ. He forgave us all of our sin, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He's taken it away, nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, oh, I love this verse. He made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Death, sin, and the grave thought they were something. 
They thought they had wrapped themselves around the mortal body of Jesus. They thought they had one on Friday. But Friday was just the beginning. Jesus opened the door in that moment, made a public spectacle of them and said, excuse me, death, sin, and the grave, you're just not that bad. You think you have swagger? You've got nothing. People tell you that nothing bends to death. Oh, it bends all right when the God of life shows up. That changes everything. And in that moment, Jesus opened the door for you to choose. Life over death, peace over chaos, good over evil, right over wrong, freedom over bondage, trust over uncertainty, humility over pride, love over hate, forgiveness over vengeance. Choosing the Jesus way is a cross-centered life. One final piece. The message of the cross is that the cross is a place of commitment. This is my friend and my brother Sam. He's been our guide every time we've gone to Israel. He's your family. When Sam was a young man, he was studying to be a guide in Israel. Sam heard the voice of God at the pool of Bethesda. Jesus came to a young man and said, you will be my witness. Sam has been faithfully guiding people in the footsteps of Jesus. And that's where we met him on our very first trip to Israel. Sam and Muhammad, our guide and our driver, were with us every single step of the way. We heard stories of other groups where their guides and their drivers just disappeared. Sam and Muhammad drove us to the Jordanian border. They stayed with us all the way across until they knew we were safely on the other side. You know, the truth is, Sam could have left Israel years ago. Could have chosen a different path, but God called him to be a witness, and he's been faithful to that call. He could have chosen money, education, safety, and comfort, but God's call has kept him there. He's committed to his Savior, Jesus. And the call that God has placed on his life and for those of you that have ever met him, if you're an alumni, you know this to be true. Because of the call of God on Sam's life, he has this infectious joy that just keeps bubbling out of him every opportunity that is there. True, right? Joe and Sue, you know it, right? Leaving Sam and Muhammad behind was one of the most heartbreaking moments of laurels in my life because Sam and Muhammad, they're, they're family. They're your family. And I'm asking you as a church to covenant with me to pray for their safety, the safety of them and their families. I need you to pray for them. Some people are probably wondering, why, why does Sam stay? 
Why does he stay? Because he's committed. Even when life is really hard. Jesus said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world and yet forfeit their soul? Sounds a little ominous, doesn't it? Denial of self. Some people have such a twisted version of what it means to follow Jesus. They, they think, well, I'm just, what I'm going to have to do my whole life is just keep denying myself, denying myself. And some people think following Jesus is a life of total sacrifice with no gain. Their definition is you follow Jesus or no fun, no joy, no humor, no nothing. <laughs> that is just so wrong. <laughs> that is so wrong. You see, when we say no to what we want, we open our lives to everything that God has for us. It's really a series of challenging but God-empowered decisions to choose God's way over your way. That means when you surrender your will and choose God's will, it means you literally participate in this divine exchange. It means that you learn that vengeance, unholy anger, compromise, subtle justifications for sin, and lame excuses, they're not the way of Jesus. And then you exchange them for grace and convictions and hope and joy in a truly abundant life. You make these decisions. You choose the narrow path, the single door, the way, the truth, and the life because you're willing to pick up the cross of Jesus without compromise. And I promise you, the reward and the peace that come with that are beyond human comprehension. I'll wrap up with this. The cross is the dividing line for all people. Those who are perishing and those who are being saved. But can I tell you some really good news today? You don't have to perish. You can be saved today. My brother Sam is saved and that's what allows him to walk through the valley of the shadow of death with no fear because his good shepherd is with him. And that brings us exceedingly great comfort to all of those of us who know and love him. So we're on our way up to Jerusalem from the Sea of Galilee, and we have no idea what's waiting for us in the next 36 hours. And we take a little detour. I saw Sam say something in Arabic to Muhammad and Muhammad suddenly pulls off and this trip for me was incredible because we kept going to places I had never seen before. I thought I'd seen most of the spots in Israel and then I found out that that there were some incredibly beautiful little surprises that Sam had for us because he was literally making up different pieces as he was going along. So we took a little side road and it was a steep climb with these really sharp switchbacks and we're in a 60 person bus like going back and forth, back and forth and I'm wondering where in the world are we going? Where are we going? When we got to the end of this uphill climb, Sam got off the bus and he began leading us up a rocky slope and it wasn't easy to walk but we started walking and when we got to the top of this mountain there was this breathtaking view of the Judean wilderness 
and at the top of the hill was this. And the wind was howling. I mean, the wind was howling. And Sam, in order to be heard, he, he wears a little microphone and we all wear these little earpieces. And, and Sam went and he stood in the shelter of the cross so that he could talk to us. And then he pointed directly behind the cross and there was this steep cutout valley. I'll show you a picture of it. That's the valley of the shadow of death. Does that sound familiar to anybody? Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever because the Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want for anything. The cross is standing before you today and for some of you, you need to renew your commitment to Jesus. There's no such thing as having a relationship with Jesus on the side. It's all or nothing. He is all-consuming or he is not. For some of you, it's time to stop compromising and confess the distractions and come back to Jesus who bids you to come and die so you can truly live. For others, you've never come to Jesus, but today's your day. Today is the day when the pardon, the peace, and the commitment of your heart is going to be made certain through everything that Jesus did for you on that old rugged cross. And we're going to pray about all that in just a moment. If I could speak to my fellow team members for a moment. God made a way for us. It was not lost on us that we actually had to cross over the Jordan River to find our way home. But what God did for us, he can do for everyone. Because he is a way maker, a miracle worker, a promise keeper, and he is light in the darkness. You can trust him today, and I pray that you will. Would you pray with me? God, I pray for those for whom their love for you has grown cold and their commitment has wavered and their compromise is very aware to them and I pray that in this moment right now that they would come back to the cross of Jesus, that they would experience pardon for sin, and a peace that endureth.
thine own dear presence to cheer into God. God, I pray for those who feel lost today. And I pray that they would know there is a shepherd seeking for them. One who loves them so much he would leave 99 behind to make sure that one comes home. God, I pray for Sam and his family today. I pray for Muhammad and his family. Lord Jesus, may, may the supernatural peace that comforts us comfort our brothers and their families today in Jerusalem. Lord, we pray for their peace as we pray for ours. every head bowed, if you're in this room right now and you've never come to Jesus and experienced pardon for sin and a peace that endures, I want to invite you right now just to simply pray, Jesus, save me. I'm a sinner. I know it. And I confess it all to you. Jesus, wash me as white as snow. I give my life to you. I will take up my cross daily as I experience an abundant life that nobody will really be able to understand. Jesus, I believe you came, you died, you rose again, and you rule and reign right now. Be my king. Be my savior. Wash me clean in Jesus' name. As we continue to pray, if you prayed that prayer today, we believe a spiritual transformation has happened to you. The Lord is your shepherd, and you will not want for anything. So God, thank you for this moment of transformation. Thank you for making a way home for those of us who've wandered. Jesus, thank you for your price that was paid in full on the cross of Jesus. We thank you. We are so grateful because you paid it all. And all to you we owe. In Jesus' name we pray. If you gave your heart to Christ today, I want to invite you to do something after the service. A group of people are going to come and stand up here across the front. I'd love to talk to you. I'd like to hear your name, maybe a little bit of your story. You don't need to walk this journey alone. And as someone who just spent time with a group, I can tell you something. Being together is so much better than being alone. Church, I'm going to ask you to do something with me. Would you stand right now? And If you're at home watching online, would you stand with me? We're going to change our posture just a little bit. We're going to sing a song that we sang in Israel. And may it mean as much to your heart as it did to ours. Love you guys. It's good to be home. God bless you.